and welcome to Investor's Paradise, the podcast that makes tons of investing-related topics easily accessible from a young mind's perspective. I'm your host, Aditya Ayer, and this episode will be the part three of the multi-part series on investing in the stock market. If you haven't seen the first two episodes in the series, I highly suggest you listen to them because this episode will make references to those episodes. So over the course of this series, I've talked about how the market works, what tools to use to invest, how to get started, and even went over a quarterly earnings report while adding tips and tricks along the way to understand how certain metrics work. And I've got to admit, I might have made investing sound easy and like a guarantee, but I hate to break it to you. That's not the case. In fact, there are many risks in investing in the stock market. Let me repeat that. There are many, many risks in investing in the stock market. Here's more bad news. There are ways that you can even lose more money than you put in. In this episode, I will be covering the basics of risk as well as give examples of how people get in that kind of situation. In the first episode of the series, I talked about how when you buy a stock in a company, you put in a certain amount of money, depending on the stock price, to buy a certain number of shares. I also talked about that when people invest money in a company, they're doing so expecting that the value of the investment will increase over time. Then, when you eventually sell your shares back to the market, you will take a profit and walk away. This scenario is not always the case. Not all stocks go up when you want them to. Sometimes the stock price ends up dropping 10, 20, or even 30% or more after you buy it. So how does one deal with the stock price dipping? A very common term that is used is called dollar cost averaging. It's a process that investors use to split their purchases of a particular stock over time. Instead of buying all at once, the investor buys a prorated amount periodically. You can think of buying a fixed dollar amount of stock every paycheck or allowance that you receive. In addition to making it an easy habit, this decreases the volatility of the cost per share. You could also buy based on the activity of the stock price, usually when it dips a lot. This may seem like a hard concept to understand, but fear not, the example is here. Let's say that I buy 10 shares of Apple stock all at once. At the time of recording this, the Apple stock is about $450 per share. Let's say that tomorrow, Apple stock falls 5% because of some unfortunate news. That means that I lose 5% on each share that I bought, all 10 shares. However, if I were to use the dollar cost averaging tactic, I would plan to make 5 purchases. So I will only buy 2 shares initially instead of buying 10 shares at once. This means that when the stock price falls down 5%, only those two shares lose 5% of their value. This also gives me the opportunity to buy more shares of the company at a 5% discount. By buying more shares, my overall buy price of Apple stock is lower than what it was when I bought the first two shares. As the price dips and dips, I will keep buying more and more shares proportionally to how much the share price drops by. The only problem with this method of investing is that if I bought just the two shares of Apple stock and the price per share went up 10% over the next two days, I would have missed out on the potential money I would have made by not purchasing all 10 shares that I was planning to. In my personal opinion, I would rather play it safe by purchasing shares periodically 
by waiting for every dip rather than go all in and risk losing it all. That's my personal way of thinking about it, but it may not be how you would want to handle the situation. So I welcome you to experiment and try out what you think is best. So that is a basic example of what risk is in a stock market, but it gets a lot more complicated than that. The example that I just went over was in a normal situation where the risk of buying that stock is that it can go to zero, which means that there's always a risk of losing every single dollar that you put in. Although that almost never happens, it is technically still a risk that you take. But what if I told you there is a way that you can lose more money than you put in? It's entirely possible to put in $100 and end up losing $200. How, you may ask? Welcome to the world of option trading. This term is thrown around quite often in the trading world, but the specific topic this episode will cover is short selling. A lot of people have heard of this concept and even got people to explain it to them, yet still don't understand it. So in this episode, I will try my best to explain how this concept works. The Big Short is a famous movie that covers this topic. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend you do. Essentially, it is about how a group of people short, or bet against the value, of an entire housing market. Basically, in order to make money by short selling, the price of the underlying asset has to go down. It's quite opposite of the normal type of investing because when you buy stocks, you generally hope that it will go up. But how can someone make money when the stock price goes down? First, I will explain how regular trading works and then move on to the more complex scenarios. In my opinion, the stock market can be interpreted as a less risky poker game. The reason is because in a poker game, as a player, you're either trying to beat the other players or the dealer himself. Everyone in the poker game bets money because they think that they have the best cards and the best odds of winning the entire stack of cash. Now replace poker chips with stocks. When you buy a stock, you are either buying it from somebody who has sold the stock or you have simply bought the shares from unissued ones that the investors have not yet bought. The person selling the stock is the one that you are betting against. Since the person is selling the stock, he believes that the stock price does not have any potential to go up. As the person buying the stock, you do believe that the stock price will go up over time. Either ways, one of the two people will lose money. If the stock price goes up, the person who sold his shares to you will have lost money in potential. If he didn't sell, he would have also gotten that extra money. If the stock price goes down, he wins because he sold at the perfect time and he would have gotten more money than he would if he'd held. So now that the basics of trading have been covered, how does short selling work? When you short sell, it is once again an agreement between two people where one believes that the stock price will go down and the other one believes that the stock price will go up. However, it is a little more complicated than that. When you short sell, there is a limit to the amount of upside, but an almost endless downside to it. However, that upside can be very rewarding when executed. Essentially, when short selling a stock, you are selling a stock today to the other person and will buy it back at a later date, hoping that the price will come down. Notice that the reason why this is called short is because it is the opposite of a regular transaction, which is called a long position. It is called a short because you only have a limited amount of time before you have to buy that stock back from the person you sell it to while long positions allow you to hold that stock for as long as you want. 
let's take an example that I used before. In the first episode of the series, I gave the example of this podcast being a public company where people bought and sold shares depending on their confidence, whether the stock price will go up or down. Now let's take two investors that have different opinions about my podcast company, and I'll call them Investor A and Investor B, or Investor Alice and Investor Bob, just for simplicity's sake. Let's say that Investor Alice is long in my company, which means that she thinks the company's value will go up over time. And Investor Bob is short, which means that he thinks the value of this podcast will decrease over time. Now, I hate to break it to you, but everyone is going to have to turn on their brains again and get their calculators out. For the sake of making math easy, I will say that the price for one Investor's Paradise share is $10. Now, let's say that Alice will buy 100 shares of this podcast, which means that she just bought $1,000 worth of shares, and Bob shorts 100 shares, or he's shorting $1,000 worth of shares. At this point, the common thought that most people get is, how can Investor B sell a stock that he hasn't even bought yet? The key is that Investor B is borrowing each of those 100 shares to short. Usually when people borrow stocks to short, they're taking it from their brokerage. A brokerage is a company that buys and sells stocks for their clients to use to trade with. When the short eventually buys the stock back or covers his position, he will give those stocks back to the brokerage and take the profits with him, however much they may be. Now let's take uh, one scenario. Let's say that the podcast market crashes the next day because people don't like podcasts anymore and Investor's Paradise stock price goes down from $10 to $5 per share. In this case, Alice would have lost $500 and Bob would have gained $500 because when he buys the stock back, He'll get them for a 50% discount and keep that extra percent as a profit for himself while returning the rest to the brokerage. Now let's take the opposite scenario. Let's say that the podcast gains massive attention and gets really popular, which makes the price per share go from $10 to $15. Speaking of popular podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you guys could share this podcast to other people so that the value of this podcast can increase and so that the content can reach and help as many people as possible. Sorry, I had to advertise like that. The transition seems so smooth. Anyways, back to the example. Since the stock price went up from $10 to $15, Alice would have made $500, while Bob would lose $500 because he would have bought the shares back at a 50% higher price than he would have before. Now here's where things get really confusing. Bob never actually put in any money in the first place since he borrowed the stock from his brokerage. This is where the term margins come into play. Margins are basically the amount of money that a short seller puts in to accommodate for losses if the stock price goes up. The short seller also has to put in an initial margin of 50%, which means that he has to put in 50% of the total value of the 100 shares that he bought. Since the shares were valued at $10 per share when he shorted it, he had to put in an initial margin of $500 to cover the loss in the event that the stock price went up by 50%.
This initial margin will be given to a third party to make sure that the money goes to the correct person after the trade period is over. Uh, this third party is generally the broker, but it's not necessarily true all the time, but most often the broker. But that's not all. Bob will also have to make sure that he pays something called margin calls, which are essentially a method that forces the short seller to keep putting in money to accommodate for further losses. Now, let's go back to the example. Since the stock price went up from 10 to $15, which is a 50% increase, the entire initial margin that the short seller had to put in has been completely depleted. As a result, the short seller is forced to put in more money as a buffer in the event that the stock price goes any higher, or in other words, a margin call. It can also be called a maintenance margin. In the average short selling position, maintenance margins cost a minimum 30% of the entire position. This means that Bob must put in $300 of his own money to maintain the short position and accommodate for further losses. Now, let's take a step back and talk about percentages for a bit. Going back to the first scenario, if the stock price goes to $5 per share, then Alice basically lost 50% of her value in that stock, but Bob gains 100% of his value. The reason is because Bob borrowed the stocks itself from the brokerage and only put in $500 of his own money. Since the stock price went down by 50% and investor B shorted $1,000 worth of stock, he gained $500 from a $500 investment. He basically doubled his money. And this is why short selling is appealing to a lot of people. They have the chance to make more money if they are right, but however, there is also a higher risk to that. Technically, Alice can also have a similar effect in her trade if she were to borrow stocks from her broker as well, but most long positions prefer to buy the stock outright without borrowing anything to prevent risk. That is why in this example, Bob has the potential upside of two times the percentage of Alice, while the opposite is true as well. If Alice makes a certain percent of money, Bob will lose twice the percentage that Alice made. That is basically how a short seller can lose all of the money that he put in as an initial margin, as well as owe them other maintenance margins. That is why many people stay away from short selling and consider going long positions. Just a disclaimer, this entire short scenario described is called a naked short, and retail investors like you and me generally don't have the ability to do these kinds of short trades because there's just too much risk. If you are interested in short selling, I highly recommend researching brokerages that will protect you as much as you can and so that you can protect your money and not lose it all at once. And that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about how risks work, how to avoid it by using dollar cost averaging, and how short selling works. I encourage all of you to research more about various ways to trade in the market. So thank you for watching, and please share this episode as well as any other episode you found interesting to friends and family. I would really appreciate it. And that concludes this episode of Investor's Paradise. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast and gained some useful insights on investing. Once again, I'm your host, Aditya Iyer, and I'll see you in the next episode.